Episode 118, we go going to present, joined today by the legendary Mr. Sinister of the Executioner, Sinister Man. You just dropped your album, man. Just super excited, man, that you, that you could come on, man. We can talk about Reborn. Um, so thanks first off, man, just for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Now, when I when I called you up, man, you know, uh, you're working on an intro for Royal Flushman for his cancer fundraiser, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how did you get involved, man? And what does it mean to, to be involved in something that important? Well, I, you know, I've been a fan of Royal Flush for years. You know, of course, um, uh, in his game, like he's been putting it down a long time. When he first came out, I was like, wow, this guy's good. So I've had all of his records, of course, and, uh, you know, of course, spinning all his records over the course of time and the years of my career as a DJ. But um, uh, Nutso, who's actually on my album, had hit me up. And um, C. The Cuban, of course, who's a childhood friend of mine, like, from the neighborhood, he was telling me they at first they wanted me to do some scratches for World Flush. And it was like, yeah, Flush. I was honored because Flush wanted me to do some scratches on his new album called Ghetto Billionaire. So I was like, bet, I'll do them. So Nutso was like, yo, sin. I know I want you to do scratches on the track that I'm on with him. So I did those scratches, and I did that. And I was just thanking them, like, yo, you know, Royal Flush, wow, this guy's like, I love him. I'm a big fan of him. And um, so we did that, and then, you know, I always stay in contact with Cuban and Nutso. And then Cuban had told me one day, he was like, wow, you know, um, they have found out that uh, Royal Flush had, had cancer. And I was like, wow, it's serious? And, then, and I was like, well, is it serious? And then they were like, yeah, like, you know, it's it's kind of like in the stages, but, you know, he's going to chemo, he's he's getting it done and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, hopefully everything's great. I pray for him, you know, keep him in good spirits. Let's throw some positive energy out for him, you know, and stuff. So that's how I found out. And then um, they were all talking about uh, getting uh, something together to raise. I know there was a fun, a GoFundMe page on for Flush that they had put up and people were donating to that. And um, they were telling me, well, look, Mike Deuce, wanted to put something together where, you know, Flush can make some money and he can get people to donate to the, to his uh, treatment. And, you know, I, they were like, yeah, that's all going on. And, you know, this is happening. And I was like, that's dope. So Mike Deuce actually uh, raised, uh, see the Cuban to talk to Mike Deuce. Um, and Mike Deuce was like, yeah, you know, we would love to have centers to get on this thing that we're doing. And, you know, Mike Deuce arranged all this stuff. He organized everything, and, and he, we, we called it All In, which is we're all going all in. That's the name of the event. And he came up with that idea. And he first it was going to be at this spot in Jamaica, but then he had switched it because, of course, there was a lot of people that loved Flush and was going to come, and that spot was entirely too small. So they ended up coming up with the SOB's idea. And see the Cuban that putting the word in for me, and he was like, yo, you know, Sinister would do it, and, you know, whatever, and that's how uh, that came about, and I was added to that, and and I was, you know, I, I was grateful to do that because uh, I feel it's a great cause, you know, and I feel that it's people will donate to to Flush to help him in his treatment, and it's something that's serious, you know, it's, it's cancer, and it's something that um, costs a lot of money for treatment, and you know, and, and it, it 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 definitely has to be paid for. It's not something that is cheap and inexpensive, but just on the love of people that love Flush that want to donate to the cause and help the brother get better and throw the positive energy his way and keep him in great spirits, I'm all for it. You know, I, I was all for it. And I'm happy that I'm actually got a chance to perform for not only somebody that, you know, I look up, I looked up to that's a great artist, but I actually met him, you know, for the first time the, the other day at my release party. He came, he was in great spirits, and he, you know, he's a great person. So just doing that for somebody and any positive energy that I can throw out in the air for him to, and, and, and 
to wish him better in his recovery and, and donate to that cause, it's all good because, you know, life changes and that can happen to anybody. That that's can happen to your family, that can happen to a family member, that can happen to you. So, you know, it's always good to throw that positive energy out and support somebody that's going through something like that in a rough time. So I'm, I'm very grateful to be doing that. So that's how that all came about. No, thanks for sharing that, man. You know, talking to Nutso mm-hmm. last week, we were talking mm-hmm. just about the importance of better health care, better insurance for artists so that they yeah. don't have to go through things mm-hmm. like GoFundMes and fundraisers for, right. you know, basic health care treatment, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, they we way back we were trying to do something like that. We were trying to get that uh, happening because, you know, artists, we, we're like basically free. Like we, we don't have that, those benefits, you know, we, we don't, we, we're like work for hire. We don't, we don't have those benefits where we get sick, you know, we're on the road uh, all the time. You're on tour, you're not eating right. You know, you're, you're moving around, you're physically, you know, mentally being challenged with a lot of things. So uh, we were trying to get something like that together a long time ago. We were, we were, there was somebody that was trying to get, get that done, but it's very important for that to happen. I think maybe this, this can make some noise to, 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 Oh, you know, make people more aware of, of, of artists getting this type of care and stuff like that, because these things can happen, you know? So hopefully this, this raises, you know, not, not to say that this has to happen, but sometimes it, it, it's sad to say that some, sometimes things happen like that in order for somebody to move and, and to know like, yeah, this, this, this type of stuff needs to be done, you know, to, for artists, artists or workers, we're employees like anybody else and we work hard, you know? So I agree with you on that. No doubt, man. You know, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that some you know progress can be made there. I've heard I've heard that guys like KRS and and Chuck D are working on something, mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, it, the, you know, mm-hmm. what Royal Flush is going through what Two Mex has been going through. Like these are yeah. all really important reminders that like if if we as fans want artists to keep creating the music that we love, you know, that there mm-hmm. has to be better supports in place so that you have the time and space to actually do that. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. And God, God shouts to Karis One and Chuck D for reaching out for, for for doing that, for for even you know stepping to the plate to do that. And then what better guys to do it than them? You know. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and you know, hoping hoping for more you know progress in that front, man. You know, um, your mm-hmm. album Reborn just dropped. Mm-hmm. And been yes. getting a ton of positive feedback, man. You know, what what was it like finally seeing it out on Spotify and title and all those spots, man? You know, when it dropped at midnight on Friday. Oh man, it was the, the feeling was it was amazing, man. It, it was it was amazing. Like I've never, I, I, this is my first solo debut album. Just just to let everybody know, it's like I've done. Of course, everybody knows the executions we've had albums. Um, I've never once in my career put out a solo album. I've done scratches. I produce tracks. I've been on stuff, but this is my first. It took me 25 years to come out with my first solo debut. So the feeling of that is great. It's amazing. It's like it's like all these years of work that I put in, just coming back and and like it's like a, a breath of fresh air and and I feel like a warmth in my body. Like like when 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 I seen the titles on it and I'm like. I actually did this, you know, like I, it actually is here. It actually came to fruition. It's here. And the feeling was great, man. I, 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 I like just couldn't, it was, it's like an unbelievable feeling, man. I, I just prayed to God. I sat down and just 
thought I was dreaming at first, but then I realized I wasn't. I was like, wow, it was a great feeling. It, it, was, it was The feeling was amazing, man. It's kind of like, uh, how can I explain it? It's kind of like seeing a, a person that you really love, you haven't seen them in a long time, and then you, you reconnect with them. That's how this feeling was for me when I seen my album, getting all these reviews and seeing it on Spotify and all these other sites. You know, the feeling was great. That's awesome. Congratulations on that, too. And, you know, it's, it Thank came you. out on, on Fat Beats Records. Is that picture of you on the album cover, is that you at Fat Beats? It actually is. It actually is. And I'm glad you asked that. That was a great question. It is. Um, while I was, big shout-outs to Jab, uh, Joe, who's also a DJ. Um, people, a lot of people who, who know, I, I was actually Joe, uh, the owner of Fat Beats Records. He's the, he's the first one to actually put believed in us and executionists and put us on. He put a videotape out of or on us out about uh, a minute ago, maybe like 1995, maybe. And it was called, uh, it was an X-Men with us um, on the cover as robots, like the, our characters as the X-Men. It was called Exercise. And he's the first one to put us on. And I actually worked in the first store that ever opened, was which was on um, uh, where Bobito's Footwork Store was. It was St. St. Mark's East. Ah, man, I, I, my mind, I got to go back with that. It was the first Fat Beats store to ever open. That was, it was in the basement. You had to go down, and it was there. So I actually worked at Fat Beats there. And uh, when I when Fat Beats opened the next store, which was on 6th Avenue and 6th Street, Manhattan, I worked there. I got Joe hired me back. So that was the store that the picture was taken at. And, you know, while me and Joe were, were talking about the album, um, I was submitting pictures, and he was like, you know, I have some old pictures. This is crazy. He said, I have some old pictures of you in the store. And I was like, you do? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I got some old pictures. I, I could send them to you. Because I had sent him some pictures, and he was like, I like them, but I actually have some pictures, so I'll shoot them over to you to see how you feel about them. And he wanted the, the picture from the album. He actually wanted the pictures he shot over, and I immediately chose that one because I was – if you ever been in the Fat Beats in that store on 6th Avenue, they had a, you walked upstairs, and then you went in, and then you walked up to the to the uh, to the DJ booth, and I was there, and that I was that's what I was doing there. I was playing, I was playing all the new stuff that came in for the for the customers that came in, and that was my job to stay there and play all the records that was in there. And somebody snapped that picture of me up there doing that, so that picture is actually me in action playing records at the store that I was working at. So that actually worked out pretty great. So yes, that picture is from the store. <laughs> I thought so, man. Just looking at that that wall. I just, there's so many good memories too, man, of just going there. Mm -hmm. um, Cause mm -hmm. I was living in Virginia. And so going mm -hmm. up to New York city was always a big deal. Cause you know, you're trying to squeeze in, you know, see all the different, you know, artists that I was, you know, trying to see and, and, <laughs> you know, tone deaf and all those guys, man, you know, so like, yes. you know, going to fat mm -hmm. beats was like a thing. Like, you know, mm. even if, even if you don't buy a lot, just being there was the was, vibe. Say say what's up to Percy P. All that stuff. Oh man, I was just about to mention him. Yes, yeah, the vibe. You get you touched it because you can go back then at Fat Beast, man. It was like a it was like a whole aviance when you went there, man. You you didn't know you had people from overseas, from Europe coming there. You had people from other states like yourself <clears throat> coming there, and you could always catch something that was there. Not only with the what the records there, you could always bump into artists that would come there. Like artists would always come in there. Different. I remember meeting. So many artists that came in there, like uh, Q Unique. I remember when uh, they were coming to Arsonist. Um, uh, uh, Gene Gray was coming in there. 
uh, uh, wow, God, there was so many groups that were coming in there, man. Slum, Slum Village, Shades of Brooklyn. That we, I mean, it was like a networking place also, uh, as well as a record store. So that's what made the Aviance so great there, you know? It, it's a, it's an amazing spot, man. You know, like you said, that vibe. Like, what was it like working there and, you know, having a, having a DJ career, but also being able to actually mm. see, like, what, what customers want, you know, and, and have those interactions and kind of build that organic fan base, you know, from the ground up? It, it was great. It, it was great, man. It was actually, it actually helped me out in my career because the first spot that I worked at, you know, that you're talking about that, like, Premier and all of them were coming there, and... We this is like in the time when Gangstar was blowing up, like every all, the hip hop was alive and well, and 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 this is where every all the artists were coming through, and I got to see, like you said, I got to see that firsthand what people wanted. So it kind of gave me an idea of what I I should be doing and what you know what my role was in this game. So it actually was great to be there because when I went to the second store, I actually was we actually were doing shows. We were already doing things and we were traveling all over the place. And Joe actually hired me back to do to DJ at that store on the sixth Avenue. So I was well in there, but it was great to see that because it gave me like a jump start on what was out. It also gave me uh, 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 inspiration like no other man. Like I, I, not only was I an artist, but I had inspiration from all the, all my other artists, all that were coming in, all the other artists, because you know, a true artist to me is a fan. Like I'm a fan of this music. Like I, I'm a true fan. I'm an artist, but I'm a fan. And I believe in my opinion that, in order for an artist to, to grow or, or be a great artist, not just a good artist, you ha- a good a great artist has to be also a great fan at the same time. And I, I'm a fan of this music, period. So just being an artist and being a fan and seeing all the people that I look up to or look or look up to in that era and still look up to to this day be around me, it just gave me like a big sense, a big inspiration and a big sense of purpose to keep doing this and it gave me more ideas. So that was like the perfect place and the perfect time to be around all of that stuff. And that all of that stuff built me into the artist that I, I, I was and I am today. So I'm grateful for that time. And that's that's what it was like for me. It was it was it was a great feeling to be in that era at that time and be there because it built up such a passion. It, it kept my passion going for this for this and it built up a lot of more ideas, it built up a lot of more uh love for the game you know, so to say. That That's incredible. And, and, and this, you know, reborn, you know, coming out on, on Fat Beats Records is almost kind of full circle, right? Yes. Yes, it is. It goes right back around. You know, it comes right back to where I actually started. That's why I named the title Reborn because it kind of like brought me back to my beginning roots when I first started, you know, you know, executioners and everything going up. But this brought me back to my first days of where I had the love for the hip hop was, very strong. That's why I chose the name of the album Reborn. And Fat Beats is was a part of that. They were they were a part of that my my upbringing. They were a part of my culture. They 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 were a part of it. Joe's the first one to put us on. You know, he's the first one that gave believed in us to do that. And <clears throat> Joe was <clears throat> always there. He was always in the scene. And so I chose the name of that. And then when I was going to um, do my album, uh, hopefully I'm not going off the topic. You know, I, mean, I don't want to go, but. When Joe was uh, doing when we when I, when I was shopping my album, um, I wouldn't shop with anybody else. My my first thought was when I was doing it, I was like, well, well, I was gonna put it out myself, and I was like, you know what? It makes sense to me to call Joe because I have a great relationship with Joe. I've known Joe for years. I was his employee, 
Um, plus, Joe was a DJ. He's, he's in the music as well. And I was like, look, if, if I put out my album, if I'm not going to put it out with Fat Beats, I'm going to put it out myself. But I think that Fat Beats would be the best label that I can go on because I have a repertoire with them. I've worked for them. Um, Fat Beats is known as the best. Uh, I mean, if you're on Fat Beats, it's the best best hip-hop label. Everybody knows who Fat Beats is. And it's part of my history. So I, it made sense to me to call Joe up and ask him, you know, was he interested in looking, you know, signing me. And right away he clicked. He was like, yeah, he was like, bet. And he was like, yes. And I'm all for it. Let's do it. You know, that that's incredible, man. You know, I think too, looking at Joe and fat beats, but also looking at who you have on reborn, you know, like voodoo, <laughs> chatio, Gene gray, like this is such a testament too to like the power of relationships, right? Like, because, you know, Jean Grey is not the type of artist, like, who gets on mm-hmm. anything for anybody. Like, right. so, Absolutely. and <laughs> on top of that, like, September um, is easily one of my favorite Jean Grey songs. Like, just the way she's reminiscing and what she's talking about, you know, and just, like, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. So it's incredible, oh, man. Yeah. Like, how important are those relationships, man? Because I don't think this album mm-hmm. could be what it was if you didn't have these deep relationships in the game over, no. you know, 25 plus years. Not at all. Um, the relationships, I want to stress this is very important. A lot of artists don't know this. They always say relationships are very important. These are relationships that I've had for years and bumping into artists um, uh, for years. Like that, we've been doing shows that came up in our same era that bumping in, I mean, bumping into people like natural elements and what's uh, 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 up natural resources and, all, all of us were in the same areas and we all were around and we all bumped into each other in these times and we all were like, we were all fans of each other. We're like, yo, we do, I want to do some work. Let's do a track set. I want you some scratches. I want you to do these vocals. So I've had relationships with most of these people for years and I've had friendships with these people for years. Like uh, Jean Grey, I've, I've um, known her uh, since the OT days when she was with Natural Resource, when she was, when she was what, what? Yeah, and I remember. Yeah, you, you you know, so you you know you you're on the same page, so we know. So going in there and going in the OT studio, I was working with Don Scavone when he had making records. Um, when OT was dealing with making records, and they were in Brooklyn, I was over there with Don Scavone, and I was doing scratches for Don Scavone, and that's where I met Ocean Meat Pie, and I met What What, who was Gene Gray, who was What What at the time, and watching them, they were all in the studio. And that was like this their hub. That's where they were recording that's where they stay was staying they were there most of the time they basically lived there and from being with scavone got to meet them and you know just watching them work and being around them and that's how i ended up being close with uh gene gray and and, and in later years gene gray used to come they all came to my house they were listening to tracks um and and knowing them for years the same thing with uh Mike Hands, been being around Mike Hands. Mike Hands has been the game, been around with him. Mr. Wu from Natural Elements. I used to see L Swift all the time. Like all of us can't grew up in that same type of uh the era. You know, we all grew up in that same type. So being friends and all being in the music, uh, and knowing the skills that, that these guys have and knowing they've been in the game for a minute and that they know what's going on and they really respect the culture and they respect this hip hop game. Um, I was very careful and, 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 and uh, very selective about choosing who I had on the album because I wanted to make a, a nice album. I wanted to make a timeless album. I just didn't want to put an, a, a regular album out. I wanted to put something that represented me. I wanted to put a great 
hip-hop album out, something that represented the time and era of what I did, um, trying to keep it that same era, not even modernizing it, but keep it to where I had it, but get artists that can uh, follow my same vision and, and, and bring my vision to light. And these guys that I chose were the guys that I grew up with and I came up with in, in the past because they're the best ones that I knew that can execute and, and understand where I'm trying to go with this vibe for the album because I wanted to make a timeless album. I wanted to make a, a classic album, something that could be songs that could be played like 10 years down the line. Nobody knows this, but like the Gene Gray song was recorded a minute ago. Um, it was a, that song, and, and I'm just telling you, that song, the September song is actually over 20 years old. Wow. Gene Gray did that a long time ago for me, and I had it for a minute. And I was with this. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. I'm not going off the course, right? I don't want, want you. I'm, I'm I'm okay, right? No, this is incredible, man. This is this is awesome. Yeah. So I had this song for a minute, and and um, I I was after the, the executions deal happened with Asphodel. I got signed solo to this this label called Seventy Five Arc, and <clears throat> when they signed me, they gave me my budget money, and they had um, they were I I went in the studio. I had the song, and the first person I thought about when I did the beat was Gene Gray. So I called Gene and I asked her, like, Gene, I got this beat. Um, I, I I had the chorus and I you know, I had to scratch the guy the guy that good growing up in the hood and I was like, Well, can you come in? And I remember we went to I had with the label paid for the studio session at a Chung King, which is Chris Conway. Chris Conway's a great engineer. He was great, he knows how to follow the vision. So she came in the studio and we just worked on the song and, and, and she just went in the studio and just blazed it out. And like one take and, and and the shit she was saying just blew my mind. And I was like, yo, this is great. So I, I was confident with the song and I was like, yo, um, I brought it back to the label and I was like, yo, it was like June at the time. And I was like, this is a perfect song. It's for the summer. I was explaining to them. This is great. And they were like, yeah. So they, they kind of like didn't put it out for some reason. I don't know. I, at that time I was leaving the execution as I left. So I don't know if it has something to do with that, but they, 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 they didn't want to put the single out. They were like, well, they put their energy into this group called The Coop, which I don't know if you remember this group called The Coop. They were a group back in the days. Um, and Like Boots Riley and Pam the Functress, right? You remember them, right? Yeah. Huh? Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they just shunned that project because my single was what was going, what was going to be the, the banger for my album to come. And that was my perfect jump-off single. It was a Gene Gray song. It's timeless, and I'm like, this is it. But they didn't put it out. They concentrated on the coop, and they concentrated on them. And the coop put out a, 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 a album. They spent all this money on this press, and the coop's album was actually a picture of the World Trade Center blowing up or on fire. So what happened was it actually happened. So when that happened, they they of course they had to put all their promotion was that that billboards. They spent at least a lot of money on this on this project and they had to pull everything down. So that that, that kind of bankrupted the label. So they, they wasted all this money promoting the coop and that shit happened. So they were like, so now they came back to me and they wanted to, they wanted, it was like, well, you know, they, they now they wanted to get on board. And I was like, well, you know, I really don't want to do this right now. That, that's all right. That's okay. So they tried to hold me in the contract. So I had to get a lawyer and then they, <clears throat> they breached contract. Cause I got, I got Sally Barris, who's a great lawyer. She she was a lawyer for Beck. Her name rang bells. So when they when I got her, she said, "Well, look, you actually breached contract because Sinister was supposed to release this song, 
and it didn't come out when it was supposed to. So either you're going to renegotiate, you're going to renegotiate a new deal, or you're going to let him go. You can't hold him. They were trying to hold me, but I couldn't release anything. So he got me out of that, and the song still stood in limbo for a minute. Um, so fast forward, um, maybe like 2000. I could say 2008, maybe. My boy James Ellison, uh, uh, DL. Um, he came and he was like, Sin, you know, he had little connections in the business. He used to manage to me and he used to give me a lot of shows, but he had some good connections. So he was like, yo, you know, maybe you should put out like a little EP with, with some stuff. I got, I can get some people for you. And I was like, yo, that's dope. I was cool. I, that was bet. I could. So I named it just for starters and he really didn't have the push that he had, but he put it out and it, and it made a little, uh, little noise. So I put the Gene Gray song on that project. If you ever look on, uh, YouTube, you could you could see it. It's on Just for Starters. So I actually put it out on Just for Starters, and there was a little EP, but it didn't make too much noise. I mean, it made some noise, but it wasn't distributed. It was just on that, and people heard it. Some people heard it, some people didn't. So it was kind of like, all right. So you know, fast forward. Um, you know, I didn't even think I wasn't even thinking about doing any type of album. So this is 25 years later, which is coming here when I was sitting down with uh, my lady. Um, you know, I was like, you know, she was like, you, you know, wait, why don't you do an album? And, and I wasn't thinking about doing anything. I wasn't, I was just doing shows. I was just the odd couple. I was doing stuff with Rob. I was doing the B minus radio. And I wasn't, my mind state wasn't in doing an album. I, I really wasn't thinking about none of that at the time. But she kept beating me in the head about it. Like, yo, you know, come on, maybe you should do an album. You know, people really like to hear that from you. And I was like, ah, I really don't want to do that. So one day I just happened to, uh, pull that up for I happened I was like well I got these are some stuff that I did in the past and I pulled up the first thing that came up was the, this is all God given I, I always say this is a God this energy that happened the way it happened so I said I pulled I put the YouTube on and the Gene Gray song came up because it was already on YouTube just started so it came up and I said yeah well this is something that I did a while ago a long time ago I never released it I released it on a little project I did and I, I let her hear it and she was like, yo, this is incredible. Yo, this song is great. You should put this out again. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's already on YouTube and I don't know, whatever. And I don't know, something just clicked in me. And I said, you know what? Maybe I should try. You know, I, I, I would, maybe I should do it. So when I got into that mode, I, she sparked something in me. And I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm going to, even though this has been out, um, I'm going to, you know, I was already on B-Minus Radio with her. It's her show. If you don't know Sapphire, I'm featured, but it's her show. So I'm like, what I can do, I know all the radio guys. I know a lot of radio guys. I'm also on the radio station myself. So I was like, I'm going to try something, you know. I'm going to put this out, and I'm going to leak it. I'm going to send it to all the radio stations that I know, and I'm going to have them play it. This is a leak. So um, I'm going to play it as a leak, and that's so I'm going to see where it goes from there, what response I get, and that will let me know if I'm going to continue to pursue of even trying to do an album. So I said it. I called up my radio guys, Fred ones, um, Fred, I got some, I want you to play, uh, cut Supreme, uh, tone Swift. All these guys got radio shows. I played it on my show, uh, rap station. I sent it to like at least 11 to 12 stations. Uh, M ski. I sent it to Soulbuck. I sent it to all these people and they burned it for me. And the response was great. Uh, uh, they were like, yo, this is great. So it, it let me know that, okay, you people, a lot, maybe a lot of people didn't hear this because it's a great song. And I'm like, all right. And it, it started to catapult. So I was like, all right, 
you know what? I think maybe I should do an album now. That's what sparked me to do the album. So then I started to uh, look into other stuff that I had, which was the Boo song. that I did that song a minute ago as well, and, and that was never put out. So I was like, you know what? On top of getting new artists, I'm gonna, I looked at what I had that I know that people didn't hear or maybe weren't familiar with. I'm like, let me round up the best songs that I know that I have that I'm on that people done for me that didn't hear it, but they like killer songs with murder vocals. And I was very selective in what I was trying to do. And I was like, well, Mr. Boo's song got to go. This I, lo- I always loved Mr. Boo. I was always a fan of him. And he was always dope. He always stood out. Even as a producer, dude, like, he he was producing most of Natural Element stuff. And even him as a lyricist was killer. So just, he was already a no-brainer. Like, I'm going to use this. And I started to rack up other artists, like, I wanted to get. And I started to really be selective on what I was trying to get. And I was like, well, whoever I'm getting has to match this level of skill level of, of this and who else would it be and i started to reach out to james got me to nick wiz who i know nick Wiz for a long time a long time and then nick wiz i already knew seller dwellers that was the same label i did scratch for ug on one of his projects way back so he connected me back into ug and i was like definitely ug is one of the guys i looked up to seller dwellers was actually great so i got them uh, he hooked me up into them and that's i got them and I started to get other new up-and-comers like Dead Poets and Nutso, El Asente, who I'm fans with, and all that time. So this is how this whole thing catapulted to where, of, you know, just have to say this, Jean Grey no longer rhymes. She's she, she, she seen the light that was coming from the song because she knows it's a great song, and she called me. She hit me on Instagram and was like, Sin, you know, the song is great, but you're not kind of helping my cause here. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're not, because, you know, Jean Grey has been my friend for a long time. She's We've always had a great relationship, and she's been out the game for a minute. She doesn't want to be in the game, to, to, to make this clear in the interview. She doesn't want to be in the game. She's fucking one of the one of the greatest, to me, to me, one of the greatest female lyricists that has ever touched the mic, and nobody will ever be able to compare to her. She's fucking, I've been a fan of her for years, and she, her, she's just genius in what she does. Like, she's great. And she kind of hit me up and was like, look, you know, I don't want. You know, the song is great. I was amazing that you, that you, that you, that you're doing this, and amazing because she heard the leak, and she, she, she just was like, "Well, look, all I want is for you to like, if you put it on the credits, just n- name it former MC Jean Grey. Just, I just want to let people know that I'm not in the game. She's very adamant about not being in the game anymore. So I named it former, uh, you know, by former MC Jean Grey. I don't think it says it on the digital, but on the vinyl it says former MC Jean Grey. But I had a long conversation with it. it was great. She's she's absolutely cool with it, but I, I was absolutely uh, honored that w- one of the things that we, she doesn't rhyme anymore. Nobody nobody else is going to be able to get her unless she decides to come back to the game. Which Jean Grey is doing comedy right now. She's always had another lane. She's very creative and very very uh, very. She always moves around. She she knows how to keep herself busy. But I was actually grateful that I got a chance that to, for her to bless that song for me. Because um, it's one of the best songs on the album, I think, and it's a timeless song. And I'm just, I'm grateful that, like, I have something by her that, you know, that was done, and that, you know, it's nobody probably is going to be able to ever get her again. So it's kind of great. So this is how the whole album came about with me choosing and selecting people for the for, for the album because I wanted the, these people that I had the relationship with and that I was that I was came up with that I was fans of 
to actually God knew that can bring my vision to light on my album and I wanted them to do it and that's how this whole album came about you know no, thank, thank you for sharing that you know I, I can't imagine anything worse than not wanting to do something and that's all people want you to do I mean Jean Grey has yeah. such a loyal huge fan base and oh, yeah. she's incredible so I yeah. can imagine, like, I would love, you know, 10 new Jean Grey albums myself. Like, I'm just a huge fan, always have been. And so I would imagine, like, that, you know, great that the song is out, but she's probably, yeah. her, her Twitter is, and, you know, timelines are probably exploding right now because of that. Yeah, they, they are. They, I mean, she, she, they are. This is, you know, uh, another thing I'm going to tell you is that she, she knows, I can, I can talk about it, but I, I, when I was doing my first single, Verbal Assault, which big shout out to Ill Bill, Benny Paz, and Eclipse, because they jumped me off. To, I, I love those dudes. I'm fans of Ill Bill. I, I used to work with Ill Bill way back in the days. Uh, and Vinny Paz is always a favorite of mine. And you Eclipse, and Bill had that, and, fat, fat, that Fat Beats connection, right? Yeah, nonfiction. They were that whole clique, Necro, Vortex, like, you know, all of those guys. Yeah, we were all around to say they, they were all in the Fat Beats connection. But I was with Ill Bill way back when Joe Fatal. Big shout to him when Joe Fatal signed him. Bill Bill's been in this game for a long time, and I just scratched this for one of the songs of Ill Bill when he's doing this shit in like '92, and, and so Ill Bill just to see where he's at now. It's not no, uh, it's, it's amazing and no shock that he's where he is now as far as skill wise because Ill Bill's been in this game for over 30 years plus. So, and, and Vinny Paz is just amazing. Eclipse has always been dope on the chops. So. While I was doing that, so while that was blazing, I was thinking about my second single. And it was September, and Jean Grey had already finished talking to me about it, about, you know, I, I, her concerns about that. She was already she was already on edge about the, the leak, but she was okay. She was like, no sin, it's your song. You did it, whatever. But she didn't, her thing was, she told me, she's like, sin, all of a sudden I'm getting all these, uh, People on that hit him on my Instagram asking me if I want to do an intro because I got a new song out with you. And that's how she found out the leak was going out. And I was like, oh, oh man. Yeah. See, I said, yeah, I put it out. So we had a good conversation then and we, we spoke. And then, so I'm thinking about, I was on the uh, version release of my second single. I was trying to decide, I was listening to the album. I was thinking, so Joe was like, yo, man, you know, everybody loves that song. I mean, everybody loves that song. So Joe, Joe was like, Yo, you know, Sin, maybe we... I wanted to release... Uh, my second single choice is going to be uh, B-Boy Funk because uh, my lady's a B-girl and I've been in the B-Boy circuit a lot and nobody has done, like, a B-Boy song in a minute, like, except, like, Breakdance, Electric Boogie. You had people making songs about breakdancing back in the days and breakdancing is part of the culture. It's going to be part of the B-Boy Olympics this uh, this year. So I was trying to get on, uh, on the verge of thinking wisely. I was like, you know... Joe, you know, I want to dedicate something to the B-Boys. Number one, because it's dope. The B-Boy Olympics are coming up. It could be licensed possibly. Or, uh, you know, the B-Boys will appreciate it because you're making something catering to the B-Boys that had no B-Boy jam has been done for a minute. And they used to do them back in the days. And he was like, yeah, that's really great. That was because people know, already know how to do hip hop. And Verbal Assault was doing great. And taking it back a minute, man, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you mentioned working, you know, with, with the Making Records fam, like, you know, yes. what was the making mansion like, you know, um, from, from just seeing it, man. Cause like for folks who don't know, that's like Pumpkinhead, Bad Seed, Jean Grey, yep. 
um, yep. meat pie, you know, like the whole OBS, yep. you know, um, all live in there yep. as kids. Yep. Like, and yep. when I talked to Jean Grey about that for the Pumpkinhead mm-hmm. book, you know, she said it's kind of like mm-hmm. our college. Like this was our time yep. to kind of move out of our, you know, parents' yep. homes and be on our own mm-hmm. for the first time, almost like a dorm experience. And absolutely, you know, I mean, hearing, with, hearing with all those guys yeah. explain it, man, it's like, wow, like that sounded like an incredible, <laughs> you know, one of one type man, of experience. So what was your, what was your take on seeing things? It was the same way. I mean, when I went in there with Don Scavone, Jean Grey actually put it the best way that she said it, like a college. It was those guys, they, that house that the, the mansion you never look at it and see it as like if you just walk out it looked like a regular three-story brownstone but you go in there the vibe in there was great the studio was in there you'd have uh everybody around hanging around joking laughing somebody was always on the mic ot was always recording it was like a college it was like a, a haven for if you were artists it was haven if you were artists and you were in there and creating it was a creative haven so Jean, Jean Grey, that time she was, what was she? Me, Pie, and all of them were young. Ocean, they were all, they had to be in there to do it. They, I was in my 20s at this time. So I, when I went there with Don Simone, I had to be like 24, 25. So they were probably in their 20s as well. Like maybe Jean Grey was like 23, 24. I'm all of them were in their 20s. But I remember going there and not wanting to leave. And I, I remember telling Don Scavone, like, yo, this is like, for the first time in my life when I went there, I'd never experienced nothing like that. Like, I, I was like, yo, this is like a fucking, this is like a, a, a fucking, this is like a free fucking college for musicians. Like, you get to stay here you can, and, and just seeing, like, the, the interactions that Meepie and Punkinhead, rest in peace to him, because Punkinhead was a, was, a, was, a, was a great friend of mine as well. Fucking just seeing all of them get down in there and how they interacted with each other, because I was from Queens. I... Um, I wasn't from Brooklyn. All of them were from Brooklyn. So I was in their realm and they opened their arms to me, bad seed, all of them. They, they embraced me and uh, just seeing how they interacted with each other just immediately made me feel comfortable. Cause I was there with Don Scavone just to do some scratches. And when I saw the bottom with OT, they already knew who I was. When I saw the bottom with OT, um, you know, we instantly hit it off. And then, I ended up going back there and doing more shit. I was telling Don, when's the next time you going back there? I want to go back. And Don was like, yo, I got some more work for you to do. I'll get you back there. So I ended up going back and doing more work with him and seeing what wasn't all of them in there. And that's where I met them. So what he said was the best, man. It was like a experience in being in there was like none other, man. It's, it's definitely etched in my heart and part of my history and part of what makes me who I am today, you know? No doubt, man. And how do you remember PH today, man? Oh, man. I remember PH. Yeah, Punkhead was there. He was an open guy, fun, really into hip-hop, very open guy. I've, bumped, I've hung with Punkhead plenty of times. I've done uh, shows, more shows than after that. I've been in – I've done stuff where he's attended. I went to his stuff. This is, you know, <clears throat> way after that, those days, whatever, and – I remember there was one event I went to with Matt Diamond, of course. You know Matt Diamond with Coal Mine. He had put out a CD. I think he does uh, Soul Spasm now. I'm not too sure. Um, but Matt Diamond were, had, was booking me for some little shows. We did a show one time, but I remember all these guys in there playing with Serato. This is when Serato came out. And, I, you know, I, I was anti-Serato, just to be honest with you. At one point, I was anti-Serato. I mean, I was one of those guys that was a late boomer with it. I just was... Believed in my records, was out of vast record collection. So, 
I rolled up to the fucking club in Manhattan with like eight crates of records. And they, I, they, they saw me coming out the cab with them, and they're like, yo, Sin, what the fuck going on? Everybody had computers. I had records. But Funkhead was there at that particular jam, and everybody was playing with the Serato. And I got on and just pulled out all these old-school hip-hop records, and I just played, like, Beat Nuts, Find That, M.O.P. I just I had all those records. So at the end, when I was standing outside smoking a cigarette, Funkhead came out. He's like, yo, Sin, man. You a fucking trooper, dude. You fucking came with seven, eight crates of fucking records. <laughs> he said, yo, man, he reached his hand out. He said, salute, man, salute, salute. He was, a, And then he said, yo, man, all that old school shit you was playing was kind of dope, too. So Punkhead was a great, he was a great friend of mine, dude. He was he was great. We always ran each other places. And, you know, he, I always remember him as a, as a very cool, humble dude, always into hip-hop, very serious about his art form and serious about the, the hip hop game and where he wanted it, where he wanted to be in it, you know. And I think that last time that I I ran into his people was when they were doing a sign because uh, I, I I met a piney down there, so I I went where they were unveiling his sign. They named the street after him in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was very beautiful. A lot of people I hadn't seen in a minute were down there, and I got to meet some of his family members. And I talked to them, and and it was a great time down there. So yeah, I remember PHs was was great, dude. He's always he's in the spirit. Is always he's always in everybody's spirit in mine as well, as far as anybody's man. So that was a great question with with Punkhead man. Because just thinking about it, I wish he was still around. Because he is one of the dudes I'd have been calling up like, yo, Punky, I gotta, I gotta, yo, I got something I want you to hear, man. Like I'd beat him in the head to get his opinion. <laughs> no, that that that's amazing, man. Yeah, you know, um, for anyone who wants to, you know, just read more, you know, learn more about him, you know, thephbook.com. All proceeds go to his family and his kids. So yes. definitely recommend folks check out the the rock 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 on the the Robert PhDs story um, on yes. Amazon. Um, you know, just to to learn more because it's mm-hmm. incredible story, man. Um, so yes. how did you make that switch from Serato? Mm-hmm. Or, or from the from vinyl to Serato, because I know like I remember when mm-hmm. Serato was first coming out, there was it wasn't just you. There was a huge backlash to it, and you know, fake DJs. Oh, yeah. You know, your whole oh, yeah. you know your whole record crate is in your USB drive in your pocket. Like, yeah, you man, know, that, there's that, a that. lot of hate, just like with Fruity Loops. You know, in Ninth Wonder. Yeah, you know. oh, Fruity Loops. Wow. Yeah, pretty much similar. The same thing. Um, I remember what Serato, you know, they had a version of it. This is, I came, there was a, Serato was like the finished version of the one. They had this thing called Final Scratch. You remember that? I remember the name. I never had it, but I remember the name. Yeah, it was called Final Scratch. So this came out, that was like, that was the first version of Serato. But it wasn't, it wasn't mastered. It wasn't like, uh, I guess it wasn't complete. So, Serato was the complete thing when they mastered it. But they, when Final Scratch came, I remember they were like, oh, yeah, Craze was using it. But when they, Craze was sponsored by it, so it was all new. And it, it, Craze, like, was using records, but he, he had the Final Scratch there, but he was just, like, had it up, like, acting like he was using it. But I was like, all right, when we come into this digital age of doing that, I couldn't see it. I was just like, I don't see how this is working. I mean, I couldn't see it. I was just like, ah, nah. And then when the Serato came, I couldn't see that either. I was like, well, I'm just going to use records. I'm not going to use that. I'm not I'm using my records. But then after a while, <laughs> I remember the, it was, it was kind of like people were using it 
I didn't get to touch it, so I didn't know really how it works. So I was like, so I remember when I went to Marseille in France, and they booked me, it was De La Soul, so they, me and Herc were booked out there. And he came with his computer with Soraya, and I came with my records again. And Herc was just looking at me like, yo, dude, you got to get with the times. I'm like, well, look, man, I'm not fucking with that Serato shit. So after that, when I came back, I decided, like, you know, let me just see. My homegirl had it. So I'm like, well, let me just check it and see what it is, because I, I didn't know. So I started fucking with it. And I was like, okay, well, it scratches like a record. It, it's okay. I, I was just using it. It was good. So then I found out she was using it a lot. So I was like, all right, well, I tested it. So now I know that it scratches and stuff. Then I was like, I do. I, they had a, they had a relative mode, ABS mode. ABS mode is like a regular wax where you got to put the record at the beginning and it acts like a regular record. And then, so I started. I was like, well. I'll use it. I, I got. I, I, they got me. So I was like, I'll use it. But you know what? I'm not gonna cheat. I'm not gonna put it on relative mode where it don't skip. I'm gonna use it on ABS mode. So I started using it, and then I started using it on ABS mode. And then that was just I had to bring the record back to the beginning, and I had to do all that. And I was using it that like that for a minute, like for a minute. So it was a slow process. Then I started using it on relative mode, and then I started being like, okay, well. I'm doing parties and all these records carrying are like really a lot. So after a while of being confident with it and using it and knowing that it will respond and I, I'm used to like switching the computer out because when I was first using it, I was just, I was literally taking off the record, acting like I was switching records because I wasn't used to that. You can just keep the same fucking record on and just switch the uh, computer and just switch the file. Like I'm using it in a way to where the records, I'm, I'm, my hands are automatically going to take the record off to put a new one on because that's what I'm used to doing, what used to doing with the records. We never came up in that. We came with switching records, taping them, marking them. Now it's a different thing. So just from using it for a minute and getting comfortable with it, that's where the transition came for me to where I was like, okay, I'll, I'll use this now and I'll, I'll be okay with it because now I'm used to it and using it now. So that's where I'm at now with it. But it, it was a minute. It took me a minute. Even when I was using it, I would use it, I used it on the basic the most basic mode you can use it on. I didn't do any tricks. I, I didn't do any uh, uh, button pushing. I didn't. I didn't press the marks. I just spin it back like regular records. I I was doing that for a minute with Serato until I started doing the you know the marks and marking stuff in the computer and stuff like that. But it was still a process for me to get used to that stuff. <laughs> no doubt, man. So how much do you practice today? Like how much time do you really spend you know in front of the mm -hmm. turntables on a, on a daily basis? Uh, let me see. Not as much as I used to. I, I it, these days it's kind of different for me. It's, it's the back then. I guess it was the quality, the quantity of the practice that I did. Now more so the quality. So I'm. It, I do it now when I feel like uh, you know, like I, when I feel really feel creative. I'll get on and I'll probably spend like two hours max, three hours, because you know I, I got a lot of things that I'm doing now. Of course, it's different in my career than back then when I was just strictly on turntables and. I would, I would go eight, nine hours a day, you know, just practicing. Like when the DMCs were coming, I'd practice. I'd be on the turntables for like eight, nine hours. I'd stop, eat, come back. Now this thing's going on. I got mixes to do radio shows and tracks and stuff. So if, I, if I'm in the zone, like I'm, I'm, right now I'm actually in that zone. I, I put myself back in that zone because um, right now I got, I'm trying to make up some new routines. I got like dozens of new ideas, new routines. So, I'm like, I got to get myself back into the turntable mode because sometimes you can get out of it. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of shows. You got to get stuff ready for shows. So I, I, I'm i hibernating again on these routines. Just like I did with the album. I'm 
sitting down, taking up like the records that I have ready and working with them one by one. So when I start practicing now, I'm usually on the turntables for a good two and a half, <laughs> excuse me, two and a half, three hours tops and take a break. It's, it's never like it was back then. Like I, I eight hours, nine hours a day I go back then. Now a good two, two three hours for me is cool. And, and, and the quality that I get out of that practice is what I focus on instead of trying to just do everything fast and do everything in eight hours. One, three hours with a quality banging practice, I'm good. So three hours more to say. That's incredible. You know, when you look to at putting together the symphony sequel, you know, what was that like? You know, you got Rugged One, Cooper, Ace the Cut Lieutenant, mm -hmm. like, and, you know, looking at how it's kind of modeled after the Juice Crew mm -hmm. Symphony. Um, yeah. Just a really fun listen, man. And it, just a really creative take <laughs> on, like, the posse cut yeah. like that, man. Like, how how did you come up with that idea and, and, and make that happen? Okay, well, if you guys know, me and Rob did a uh, album. We did uh, the first one was signed by HAC. We did an Odd Couple album. That was the we did one, and then we did the second one. The second one actually came out on Fat Beats. It was called Against All Odds. Um, and I had this idea for a minute. I was actually going to keep it for my solo project. But at that time, it was, the situation was kind of difficult for me. I had, you know, I, I had nowhere to do it, whatever. So I, I always was a fan of the symphony. And the, the symphony's been, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's always everybody loves the symphony. And one day I just was telling uh, Rob, I was like, yo, you know, I want to do a DJ cut like that, like where how, like I like the way that Marley was introing uh, the, the the MCs to come in. I, I said, yo, it'd be dope if I use the same chorus and I can use that chorus and do the same thing, but have DJs come in like we're talking, like MCs, but we're just talking. And he was like, yo, that's kind of all right. But then we didn't move on it, but I made it happen. I went to Aton Noise, which is actually the dude that produced the first one on the one I'm about to tell you about on the Odd Couple album. So. I went to him and I was just, I said, fuck it. We, we had no deal at the time. So I just said, fuck it. I'm going to try to see if I can get it done and move on it. So I went to Aton Studio, big shout out to Aton Noise. Um, he's the one that did Verbal Assault, actually, and, and a track called Get By on my, on my album. But I went to him because I got good chemistry with him and he has great tracks. So I, I told him about the idea and I was like, yo, can you come up with like a beat that maybe I can, we can like try to think about doing like, you know, I can start laying down some foundation. So he was like, yo, all right. So he came back like a couple of days later and he actually used the same beat, the symphony beat that they, that they, that they used, but he used a different part. So he used like a piece of it, like the piano that goes, duh, 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 duh. he just used the derner, derner, and he made a beat. So I was like, bet. So we put that together. And while we was doing it, um, that was the first symphony. Cause it was the first symphony that was, if you go back and retract was on the against all eyes album, which you could, it's on YouTube. So, we did that, and as I was doing it, I was like, well, I'm going to lay in the chorus first. Let me just see how the chorus sounds with And I just took Marley's word next up, and I believe that's me, and it worked. It, it, it worked with it. So I was like, great. Now I know the chorus sounds good with it. Now it's just a matter of me getting the features on it and just seeing who I want. So uh, I hit Rob up. Rob did his part, and I told him, I said, I wanted it to have an organic feel. I don't want everybody to do a everybody's in different places, but what I will do to make it good or make it feel, I said, I'm going to call everybody and let send every. So what I did was when Rob did his part, I sent Rob's part to Cuber because I asked Cuber if he wanted to do it. And then Cuber was like, yeah. So I sent Rob's part to Cuber. So Cuber could actually vibe off of Rob and hear what Rob did. So he'd be able to do something as opposed to him just doing it without hearing anything. He heard Rob's part. And he was like, all right, 
It gave him to build a incentive to build off of that. So when Evan Cuban and Rob had their parts, I sent it to uh, I sent it to Eclipse, and then I sent all of that to Ace, and then he. So everybody it was it was actually like a vibe that everybody was was like feeling each other too, and they were like, yeah. So it, that's how that came out organic like that. Then I wanted to get Marley actually to do. I was like, yo, it'd be great if Marley intros it, like if he if he does the same thing, like yeah, he's doing a stick, like he goes, yo, I don't care who's first, who's last, and he goes. Yo, at the end, he goes, I don't care. Yo, I didn't tell y'all to stop. So I was talking to Marley about it because I know Marley, too. Marley said he would do it, but then, of course, you know how that goes. You know, people get busy or he didn't He didn't get back. So Aton is actually Kid Capri's personal engineer. So when Kid Capri goes out, I respect Kid Capri. Kid Capri's one of my favorite DJs. So I was telling Aton uh, engineers for Kid Capri. So I said, you know what? Instead of hunting Marley down because Marley probably ain't going to do it, I can get Kid Capri to do it. He's just as respected, and he's known for talking on the mic. And people will respect him for doing it. So I asked Aton if he could ask Kid Capri. Kid Capri did it. He did the same part. If you listen to the first symphony, he said, yo, I don't care who's first, who's last, whatever. And that's how that. So when I came to do the second symphony on my album, I was like, you know what? I want to do another one like this. So um, I want to do the sequel. That's why it's called the symphony sequel. So... I wanted to change up the whole dynamic. Rob wasn't able to do it this time. Rugged one, I'd had him on. Uh, I wanted him to be. He's very great as a DJ. I wanted him to do the first version, but uh, I had Ace come in, and I, it, I I didn't have no room for Rugged one. But I always told Rugged one, look, I got you. On he had did a part for, it, but I didn't use it. But I said, look, dude, I'm sorry. He understood. He was like, yo, don't worry about it. And I know that you got other people that you want to be on it. So I said, dude, I'm, when I do something else, I'll have you on it. So. Of course, when, it's, I, when, I, when I was doing the second symphony, I was like, Rugged One has to be on it because he was supposed to be on the first one. And I'm going to get him on the second one right away. So I reached out. Aton was like, you know, he, I didn't want to get Aton with the same feel. So I reached out to Steve D, who was actually the uh, starter of the execute. He started the X-Men. He's, the, he's the, the main guy that started all of us to be all were influenced by. So I reached out to Steve. I was like, Steve, can you, yo, I'm doing this track, and I got a track from Steve D, which would you hear that bouncy track, which is Steve has a lot of great tracks. <clears throat> Once I got the track, <clears throat> excuse me, I laid, I gave it a rugged one. I laid the chorus back in. I already had the chorus. I laid it back in. Rugged one did his part. I, I asked Cubit if he was down again. Cubit agreed again. So I sent Cubit rugged one's part. And I did the same process as I did with the first one. And then I sent that part to Ace, who agreed to do it again. And, you know, I didn't have anybody going first who was last. I want. I didn't want it to sound similar to the first symphony. I wanted it. Uh, you know, chorus is already always the same because the concept has to be the same um, for it. With the next up, I believe that's me. That's the whole key of that is to make it patterned after the symphony, and that's why I left. But so I just cut out the you know the intros of anything where with uh, anybody. I didn't put no intros. I don't want nobody saying anything. I just wanted it to be raw. Started with cuts, chorus. People doing their cuts and get out of there. So that's how that came about. And I'm glad that people feel it like that, you know? No, it's incredible, man. You know, how, how in touch and how, how much are the executioners, you know, working together today? Uh, we, me and Rob are the, like, the closest ones that are working. We're not really working. Eclipse is in Australia. Total, he's He's been out in Australia for a good uh, over 10 years now. So it's kind of like um, it's hard to get. With him, last time I seen Eclipse was at like the 2018 DMC. So working with him is kind of difficult because he's over there. So it's you know it's over there. Me and Rob, uh, you know, we're in Queens. We're from Queens, 
Um, I live in the Bronx now. I'm mostly in Boston now, but I'm, I'm easily accessible to Rob. That's why we're, uh, you know, we branched off. We would, we did things with the Odd Couple together because we're able to get together still. We're near each other, and we can get together and practice that quality time that we need to to get together. Precision and Precision's in Virginia, blinds out, but we don't we, we don't go as like we, we we can't get together like we used to. So it's not like often that we get together. If anything, me and Rob get together. Uh, more than more than anything, like if we need to get together, we because we're 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 the only ones that can get together, you know. No doubt. So when when you look to at the executioners and everything you guys mm-hmm. accomplished as a DJ crew, like what is the legacy of the executioners? When you know one day we're looking back and saying like this crew is incredible. Like what do you want people to say mm-hmm. about what mm-hmm. you guys accomplished and the legacy of mm-hmm. Rock Raider? Good question. I would like people just to say that um, we were uh, we were dedicated to what we were doing. We were very passionate about our music, and we loved to do it from the heart. It wasn't about uh, people could say that we we didn't do it for the money. We did it because we wanted to make a difference in the DJ world and in, and in the music world in general, um, and that. We love this from our hearts. We 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 breathe it. We we live it. We breathe it. Um, we love giving to the fans. We love giving to people. We love vibing with other artists. We we love music as a whole. And as far as Raider, we want people to know that Raider was just as dedicated to this as we as we are. We all were. Um, Raider was the first one out of us to win the DMC, to win the world, and. Raider was the first one to give us all that confidence back that we we can take it that next plateau and that next level to go on ahead. When when a lot of us were going uh, out of DMC and DJing for artists and stuff, and late Raider went back in the world and he started he won, and we all got a spark from that. So <clears throat> we want people just to know that we did this because we loved it. It was it was it was strictly because we wanted to give and keep the turntable legacy alive and let people know that turntables are an instrument and not just things that you put on, uh, you put on and play They're instruments and they can be manipulated and they can be used and looked at as musical instruments. And we want people to know that and, and know that we did this from the heart and we continue to keep going and we're going to keep doing this until we retire. <laughs> That, that's amazing, you know, and, and what's going to, you know, how are you going to judge the success of, of your album Reborn, you know, and, and like how, how, what, what kind you know, what, what's going to constitute this as a, as a success to you? Um, I, that's a good question. I, the success, honestly, the success has already been constituted, if you ask me. Um, yeah. Just being, yeah, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Just seeing people loving it and the response I've gotten from it so far is enough for me to go, I did my job. Uh, um, I did my job and I, and I set out, I've accomplished what I set out to do. It is making a great album because that is enough to me to judge it. Now, whatever, everything else is up to, to the guide to where it's going to go um, as far as that. But it's so far, my success is already constituted. People love it. They're feeling it. And that's what my main aim was with this album to do is, you know, anything else is going to be after. Like, if, 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 if it's, it's bringing more stuff, it already is. It's bring, I've gotten offers for shows, interviews like yourself. Got Thank you very much for this. Like, I've gotten a lot thank of... Thank you, man. Stuff from it. Yeah, no, I, thank you. Like, I really appreciate it. I've, 
I, I, I needed time to talk. Like you've actually given me an outlet to speak, and you've gotten a lot of good stuff because I haven't spoken in a minute, and that this is great for me to, to do this. I'm, I'm thanking you for the opportunity to do that. <laughs> you know, it's incredible, um, man. I can't wait for people to hear it. Yes, 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 and I'll I'll help you post it up as well. Um, yeah, so I accomplished what I've done. My my goal to do this album. Remember, I wasn't even in any any spirit to do any album. Uh, nothing. I, my my lady, a uh, big shout out to her. Who's I DJ with? She's my DJ partner on B Minus Radio Sapphire. She's my lady. She's also a B girl. She's the one that uh, encouraged me to do this album. And and when I did it, and I said if I was gonna do it, I was gonna try to possibly make the best album to my ability. Not shortchange anybody. I wanted the fans to be satisfied. I wanted my fan base to be satisfied. I wanted the people that are around me to be satisfied. I wanted people that didn't even know who I was uh, or don't know the type of music I do to listen to the album and go, wow, this is a great album. I wanted, I set out and I said if I was going to do it, I was going to make that type of an album. I wasn't going to make an album that's just going to go through, come through, and just go out. I wanted to make an album that people were going to hear and it had an effect on them, and they were like, look, this is a great album from start to finish. Um, and, and, and we just really love it. And so I, I, I think that I've accomplished that with all the feedback that I'm getting. And I'm very grateful that um, it's going that way. And, and, and it continues to keep happening. So I'm just enjoying what's happening and enjoying what's there and uh, still staying creative. Um, I'm actually doing some new stuff as you talk. I'm like, um, as this one album is out, I'm actually working on more stuff. Like I got other things that I have, pieces that I'm trying to put together. So I have like another four joints that I'm already doing right now. And yeah. um, so we'll see where that goes. Could be a second project. I don't know. But right now I'm just allowing the, the Lord to take me where he wants to take me right now. <laughs> you know, I, pre- I, I, I appreciate that. And I hope there's more coming from you too, man. And, you know, right on time too, right? Like these things yes. happen, you know, when they're supposed to. And um, that's right you know so so that that's incredible man you know thank you so much man for for coming on we we going in presents man and sharing sharing your thoughts your experiences man i love reborn i hope everybody goes out and, and listens to it and supports you man if you know you got live shows thank go you. see you live man like i really appreciate yes. you though taking the time to, to come on the podcast man no problem man i really appreciate you brian i really appreciate you man this is you asked some really great questions, man. I love it, man. And thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate you.